following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? It is a thrill. I love this show. You're telling me a big fat lot. I was hoping for funny crazy. I will get on stage on Broadway and I will reenact the rantings of Charlie Sheen one day. Think you can replace me with some other guy? Go ahead. It won't be the same. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Do not bring Shakespeare into this. You're so smart. Oh, really? Well, so are you. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother that loses every goddamn game. That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me, Savior! Empty backfield. Pressure. Heineke is jacked. Down he goes. The ball is loose. It's picked up by Dallas and Armstrong. He's got a convoy. He's going to walk in for the touchdown. That was probably right there the play that decided the game. In fact, it was. And we'll get to why in a little while. We'll also explain why it wasn't quite the kick in the nuts you might have thought it was in regards to the playoffs. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Bob Matthews. We're brought to you, as always, by our good friends at DraftKings. Interestingly, if you notice, uh, and I'm sure you did, it was 24 to nothing at the half. Everybody thought the game was over, and Washington actually came out and uh, outscored Dallas 20 to three in the second half. Ron Rivera called it a tale of two halves. If you were wondering why, if you were wondering. Perhaps what Rivera said to the team at halftime uh, in order to inspire them to that almost comeback that was almost a crazy banana land um, win for Washington yesterday. Our ace investigative reporter, Wally Ballou, actually was able to get audio from inside the locker room at halftime yesterday. Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough... The tough get going! Who's with me? Let's go! Come on! What the f happened to the Delta I used to know? Where's the spirit? Where's the guts? Huh? This could be the greatest night of our lives. But you're gonna let it be the worst. Oh, we're afraid to go with you, Bluto. We might get in trouble. Well, just kiss my ass from now on! Not me! I'm not gonna take this! Warmer, he's a dead man! Marmalade, dead! Niedermeyer! Dead. Ludo's right. Psychotic, but absolutely right. We gotta take these bastards. Now, we could fight them with conventional weapons. That could take years and cost millions of lives. No, no, no. No, in this case, I think we have to go all out. 
I think this situation absolutely requires a really futile and stupid gesture be done on somebody's part. We're just the guys to do it. Let's do it. on the Cowboys roster, I couldn't find anybody named Wormer uh, or Marmalade or Niedermeyer, for that matter, on it. But I, I think it, it really got the point across. And that was one of the reasons that you saw the team played so well, uh, play so well in the second half. In all seriousness, uh, this game really didn't affect the playoff race a whole lot, other than the fact that Washington went from being the sixth seed where the playoffs to start this week to the seventh seed. They're, uh, t- they're ahead because of the tiebreaker of a number of teams that are also 6-7 and seven primarily, and, and most importantly, the Philadelphia Eagles, who they play this weekend. It's all out there in front of them. It really is. They win. They go three. What have they got? Four left. Uh, they go two and two. They may very well be in the playoffs. They go three and one. They're definitely in. Nine wins, and you don't have to worry about being in the postseason nine is definitely going to get you in and eight may very well although you'd need a little help with eight but they still control their own destiny win this week against philadelphia you go to seven and seven and now you're going into dallas with a chance to if not wrap up a playoff spot become get pretty darn close if you turn the game off after the first half and i wouldn't blame you if you did you probably aren't going to feel as optimistic as I do right now about this team going to Philly this week. This is not your father's uh, Washington football team. Well, that's for certain because your father's Washington football team won three Super Bowl titles. This is not the Washington football team of the Jay Gruden, Mike Shanahan, or Jim Zorn era. Uh, Ron Rivera, I think, has really turned the corner with this team, and after the second half last night, I, I think you might point back to the second half of yesterday's game as being a seminal moment in this season when this team finally figured it out. Because in the past, if the, if Washington had had a half like they had Sunday in the first half, they would have lost that game 34 to nothing. And quite frankly, the Cowboys should have beaten them. 34 to nothing. I'll get to the Cowboys in a second. But this team regrouped and came out and, and, and let's face it, didn't nearly have a chance to win the game. This team had a chance to win the game, partially because of the way it played, partially because of the way that the Dallas Cowboys played. And by the way, if you want to take solstice in something as a Washington fan, the postseason flameout, that the Cowboys are headed for is going to be spectacular. The team is extraordinarily talented, maybe the best talent in the league, but it is coached by maybe the worst coaching staff in the league. It's got million-dollar talent and a five-cent head. It really does. Undisciplined, uh, just poorly coached. I don't between Lel Collins uh, getting ejected and just the way they played in the second half. This is a team of show ponies. They're fantastic front runners, but when the chips are down, 
when they need to have a play made, I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them to make a play. They are they have been built in the image of Jerry Jones, all hat and no cattle. And conversely, I think this Washington team has taken on the persona of Ron Rivera. It's not the most talented team in the league, far from it. And you could see that in the first half. Washington was overwhelmed because of the lack of talent on its side of the ball, or maybe more specifically the gap in talent between Washington's offense and the Cowboys' defense. Now, part of that is because you were missing two of your playmakers in Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick, not to mention your starting right tackle and your starting center. But after the first quarter, Washington outscored the Cowboys 20-9. to it outscored the Cowboys, uh, I'm, yeah, 20-9. to Outscored them 20-3 to in the second half. Uh, Washington dominated. Washington's defense held the Cowboys' offense in check all day. Dak Prescott had one touchdown drive, that one touchdown early on to Amari Cooper. Had Taylor Heineke not coughed the ball up, and I, it's easy to play what if and conjecture and all that, But as it turned out, had he not fumbled on that fourth and three play and the Cowboys hadn't returned it for a touchdown, this would have been, it would have been a 20 to 19 game in the fourth quarter. And that's not to say that with all of the talent that Dallas has on offense, they wouldn't have still pulled out a win, but it would have been vastly different. Um, I thought the Cowboys were were arrogant, resting a lot of their players. They just that team. Dallas is not built for a long playoff run. I'm not sure Washington is either. But if it gets into a, a fourth quarter street fight between these two and Dallas in a couple of weeks, I'm putting my money on the Redskins. I'm sorry, on Washington. I'm putting my money on the Skins this weekend against Philadelphia. Uh, these guys were not happy after the game, and not in the same way they would have been unhappy two or three or four years ago after having a situation like this and laying an egg for an entire game and getting blown out. I think that this may very well have have galvanized this team. It really, for the first time in a long time, I'm actually optimistic about what's going to occur the next the next three or four weeks and the next three weeks here is crucial with road game in Philly this weekend, the road game in Dallas the week after that, and then home to face the Eagles in the penultimate game of the season before going to New York, to play the giants on the last weekend. Ron Rivera, who we will hear from in a few minutes uh, said that Taylor Heineke's elbow is just sore and they expect him to be okay for this weekend. I'm fine with Taylor Heineke starting as long as he is close to 100%. Taylor Heineke is who Taylor Heineke is. You're not going to, you're not, he's not your prototypical quarterback. We know that. He's going to throw the ball high. He's not, he's going to throw it a little behind receivers. But if you can support him with a ground game, he can make some special plays. Not in the classical traditional sense the quarterbacks do, but in ways that work for this team. What I don't want and what I hope that the coaching staff will do this week 
is evaluate Heineke on a perform on a health basis. This team doesn't need Taylor Heineke to try and gut one out. He's not a court. He's not talented enough to gut one out. He needs to be close to 100% healthy. He needs a running game that is going to keep the Eagles' front seven off him. And he needs to make some better decisions. Um, just the preliminary look at, at the All-22 tape showed that um, there were a number of throws that, you know, high behind, not just the one to McLaurin that, that resulted in him in Terry getting a concussion, but, but several like that. And if he is not healthy enough to play effectively, I don't want him to gut it out. Let Kyle Allen play. Kyle Allen's got a stronger arm, looked really good on that touchdown drive last week. And yeah, I know it was just one, one drive, but have an honest conversation with yourself as the coach and play the guy that gives you the best chance to win. All right, let's go inside the locker room, shall we? As always, our exclusive locker room access is brought to you by the good folks at DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and the promo code THPN will get you a some free play. And we'll tell you how much here coming up in just a few minutes. Let's start with Cole Holcomb, though. And we asked him first up the first half. Uh, you know, what, what was it like in, in the locker room in halftime and what was kind of the key to the second half comeback? I mean, basically, like, you know, it's probably worst half football he played. Um, it wasn't it wasn't us, um, but when it, it's over. He wanted to see what we were going to do in the second half. Um, you know, I said, we're not going to watch it. Like, we're not even going to watch the first half. Um, but I want to see what you guys got in the second half. And I thought we came out and fought our tech, uh, you know, fought our butts off. And you see, that that's what I mean about this team is really starting to take on Ron Rivera's persona. And they could have very easily packed it in. I mean, that game was over at halftime. You're talking four scores. Four scores. In a game where, you know, maybe in the second half, it's quite possible you only get the ball five times. They could have easily packed it in. And even more so than that, just one mistake that leads to a touchdown, that ball game's over. But it didn't happen. You know, it didn't happen. They, the defense played, the defense actually played very, very well. I think Dak had something like 220 yards passing. Ezekiel Elliott was a non-factor. I think maybe, maybe 30, 40 yards rushing. As the second half progressed, you saw it becoming this defensive battle that led to you know, an opportunity for Washington with those two quick scores and then the Holcomb interception to make it a ball game that they almost won. And that was one of the things that I asked Holcomb after the Cole Holcomb after the game is that, you know, what was the feeling in the locker room after the game? I was trying to judge, you know, just how defiant the spirit of this team is. I think you're going to like the answer. You're disappointed. Obviously, you want to win, you know, but 
I think there were a lot of good things that came from that second half, and we were, I was, I was, I know I was proud of all the guys and how they fought. Um, like I said, would have loved to come out with a win, but I'm proud of those guys. I mean, we're we're beat up. We're you know fourth, fourth. We are what fourth center. We're in fourth center. We got you know we're rotating linemen because they're, they're going down. Um, you know, guys are dinged up, fighting through a lot of injuries. Um, so I got a lot of respect for those guys in the locker room. This team isn't going to quit. This team isn't going to lay down for anybody. And you can't, you couldn't say that about a lot of teams that have put on the burgundy and gold over the last 10 or 15 years. We also asked Cole about all of the pregame hype from the Cowboys bringing in their own bench to the Mike McCarthy guarantee to the Jerry Jones trolling on the radio this week. And dude, it is what it is. It's Dallas. We hate them. They hate us. It's just how it is. Um, they can do what they want. I really don't give a so. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, the Redskins PR department kind of dies a little bit of inside every time uh, one of the players rips a uh, – uh, let's a let's a curse word fly there at the podium, but uh, we love it as as reporters. All right, uh, let's see. How about Landon Collins? We asked him as well the difference in the two halves because it was different. Um, it was totally two different teams out there. You know, uh, we came out there. I think it was more emotional in the first half uh, about what's going on, but then we came back. Totally two different teams. We just stuck our head down and just played ball. Uh, I don't know. Just a rivalry game. I would say a rivalry game on top of that. <clears throat> uh, this game kind of is too, you know. Um, it's an important game, so you try to just get the edge as fast as possible. I think the biggest thing we was pissed off. Um, that wasn't the team we put out there on the first half, especially in the last four games. Um, and just we kind of just settled down and just knew what we had to do. And that's what we showed on the second half. And somehow for a change, that does not seem like just lip service. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ron Rivera. He spoke again today. He has had 24 hours or so to digest the tape. Think about what happened on Sunday and what the team has to do as it looks ahead to what is now a huge game in Philadelphia this weekend. That's next on the Bob Matthews Podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you're going to be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers bet just $1 on any team to score and can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. A safety, and you're a winner. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score. Win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with the promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One for customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. By the way, even though we're all Washington football all the time today, uh, we will be talking caps later in the week. Capitals did get some good news today. Peter Laviolette said it is possible that Nicholas Backstrom makes his season debut against uh, the Blackhawks in Chicago on Wednesday night. Backstrom, of course, out with that hip injury all season long so far. And don't forget to join us on the Hockey Podcast Network's YouTube channel on Wednesday night because we've got a live watch along. So those have been a lot of fun, too, and the response has been crazy. We had almost three. We had 2,800 people. Uh, watching us last week. Let's go for 3,000 uh, on Wednesday night, all right? I think we can do it. All right, let's get to Ron Rivera. He, of course, meets with us every week on Mondays after the game. First up, we've got to talk about Taylor Heineke. Not a great performance for Heineke. Yesterday, 11-25, to 25, 122 yards, one touchdown, one interception. What was Ron's view and analysis of how Taylor played? I thought he took his shots when he had chances. Um, you know, I, I do think though that once you know, once he he presses a little bit, it, it, it does tend to look bad. Um, a couple times yesterday, he threw in the covers that, that you know we got fortunate the ball got dropped by the defenders. To be honest, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that you you got to be smart in your opportunities, um, and you can't you know you can't try to force it, which he did do. Um, but when he had some opportunities to make plays, he did, and that's what we're looking for as well. So it's kind of that, like you said, how does he balance it? Well, it's it's uh, it, it's pretty tricky, but, um, you know, it's one of those things if there's a couple of plays earlier as opposed to a couple of negatives, it's a little different. You know, I, I thought we had the, uh, the tunnel screen set up pretty well. We caught him in a zero blitz, and unfortunately, uh, you know, their guy went up and made a play. If he misses that ball, if, you know, but if he doesn't tip it, that, who knows what happens at that point. But, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. And then, of course, there's Antonio Gibson, who fumbled again yesterday. Did not wind up being the difference in the game, but it did blunt some momentum at the time. It's Gibson's sixth fumble of the year. So we asked Ron, how much of a concern is this? Well, you know, the hard part about it, and I had a, uh, a longtime NFL coach, Jim Skipper, who, who's one of my favorite coaches to, to have worked with me, um, always used to say that the, 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 the hardest thing guys have to learn to understand is that when they go to fall, when they're being tackled, that's when they have to truly understand when to protect the ball. Okay, because most times when guys are going to the ground, they're really bracing for the impact of hitting the ground as opposed to protecting the ball. And it kind of looks a little bit like that because a lot of his his uh, his problems do seem to come when he is headed down. And so we'll just continue to work it. I think Randy does a great job in trying to teach it and get him to understand. And we'll continue to work on protecting the football. And we had to ask him about Mike McCarthy and all of the extracurricular activity from last week. Rivera falling back on one of his go-to sayings that it was interesting, but not important. Oh, I, I think, again, like I, I first said about it, more so than anything else there, and I, I really do think that's all interesting, and that's all the gamesmanship that goes with it, you know. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, it's part of the mind games that people like to play, and again, you can't let them 
uh, get inside your head. It's really got to be about what happens on the field during the game on, on Sunday afternoons. So, so no chance of you guys bringing your own bench to Dallas. I didn't say that. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. The game is afoot. That game in Dallas, by the way, day after Christmas, December 26th. All right, making the clock on the wall, so we got to get out of here. Don't forget, give us a follow on Twitter, at BobMatthews965. And you can find us at the Hockey Podcast Network site, as well as on Megaphone, Spotify, iTunes, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you after Caps and Blackhawks Wednesday night. And if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, we're white. Washed his hands and sealed his face.